Hello, everyone. We are back once again. We're in the double digits of episodes. Honestly, I'm starting to lose count. Um, but hey, the Irish are 8-0, and there's one thing about 8-0 as well. The numbers themselves kind of look like a bald spot, in my opinion. Um, but hey, this is the third time Brian Kelly's career. The Irish are 8-0. The other two times they finished regular season undefeated. We're heading into a bye week, so a little different show. We spend a lot of time on the BC game, some Q&A, and also looking at games around the country. Uh, it's a great show. We thought you know, this was one of our best ones, honestly. We talked a lot about Phil, Ian Book. Is he a Heisman contender? Is this Brian Kelly's best team? It's a really great episode for you. So, uh, all right, without further ado, let's get started. And we have a lot to discuss today. Uh, obviously, last week's victory over Boston College wasn't quite as dramatic as being number one team in the country, but we still have a lot to talk about regarding that game. Uh, but first, let's look around the country again. Honestly, another kind of dry week around the country. I don't think a ranked team even lost. Am I wrong? Not a lot of ranked teams played. Yeah, I think the, uh, the slate kind of got chopped up. Yeah, the slate, the slate kind of got cleared pretty early. I think that was reflective in the games we decided to pick. Um, but we just didn't have a whole lot of football to watch. I'm very happy that Notre Dame was playing in the 3.30 slot because that kind of broke up the day nicely. There were some RI ACC games, though, right before that. Yes, um, yeah. Leading into it. So Vatek gave Miami a little bit of a run. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that really matters, uh, but the Wake Forest-North Carolina game. That, I mean, thought, thought. That was a great game. On that absolute shootout. The, that shootout. That was fun. A lot of offense. Yeah. I think Carolina might have the best offense we face all year. I, you know, they have a terrible defense, though. It, same thing with Wake, though. I think Wake's offense is really good, too. I think Sam Hartman's great. Yeah, Sam Hartman is very good. Their receivers are pretty talented. Um, we got... Devon Green or something Green, uh, one of their wide receivers is a very talented guy. Their running game is pretty strong as well, yeah. um, and and they're well coached. So I think I think Wake will also be a very intriguing game, um, and and we kind of know what North Carolina is at this point, right? Don't you think they're going to put up points? Uh, Just get one stop. Yeah, you get one stop, and you're, you're probably going to win that football game. Good thing is, I think our defense can get multiple stops against that team. I think they're very very good, but I think our defense is also very very good. I don't see. I'm not saying you need all the stops, but I'm saying I can I can find two or three. 
Yeah, one thing I didn't know about Carolina is I thought, you know, they're super pass-heavy, almost air raid. They run the ball more than they throw, and they run it really well. That's That gave me a little more confidence after seeing them put up 59 because this team, no Dame can stop them. Yeah. Defense, if there's one thing. So, Donna, go ahead. Well, this, I'm, I'm switching the topic a little bit, but Donna, you you texted us something this week that we, we potentially could play three straight number one overall draft picks in a row. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. Not in a row, but over the course of six weeks. So we would play – I mean, he has to be the favorite for 2023 right now. I haven't seen a quarterback his age better Sam than DJ. Or DJ Ugaliti. No, so it goes DJ's 2023, and then we would go, I guess, was it three weeks, two weeks' time in between, play Sam Howell, who I've seen projected in the top ten, if not number one overall for 2022. And then Trevor Lawrence is the prohibitive favorite for 2021 number one overall pick so we could play you know the next three number one overall picks in the span of six weeks and people you know that's a reason for people saying oh your secondary is not very good whatever you know i don't know if that's ever been done in a six-week span play three straight number one picks all i think that'll turn into a really good trivia question down the road um and it'll and it'll it'll also be very good very it'll reflect very well on uh on a very 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 talented defense I just if there are any future NFL GMs listening out there that are going to be running some rosters in 2022, do not take North Carolina quarterback <laughs> top ten. It, do you have some personal? It doesn't. It doesn't go well. Do you have some personal experience, Ian? Just a little bit. Are, just a little. As a Bears bit. fan, what about trading up to get him? If someone traded up for a North Carolina quarterback, <laughs> that wouldn't go well. Trading up for. A pit, when they probably would have gotten him in the same slot, anyways. I don't know. That's that's mean. I, I don't I don't I don't recommend doing it. That, but you know what? Teach their own. That's mean. Uh, also around the country, on top of good ACC football in the in the early part of the slate, uh, good golf all weekend too. We had we had some golf picks. Uh, two of our picks did a lot better than the third. <clears throat> sorry, Ooh. sorry, D. I, I I picked Bryce in the pick piss off felt. I wasn't, <laughs> you know. Actually, rooting for Bryce. That, that's there. so vindictive. Even though I, <laughs> to, to pick him for just to piss off one listener. Yeah, but I expect nothing less from you. Bryce. Expect nothing less. Yeah. Well, he came out. I, I almost believed him when he said par was sixty-seven. <laughs> what a jack! What a bozo comment! That guy so much. I, do, you, do you guys see the tweet? It was like, yeah, if Bryson thought par was sixty-seven. He shot eighteen over yeah, for the he's weekend. A, he's a joke. He's an absolute joke. But it was good to see DJ win. Uh, good, to, good to see him have his brother there, and the rest of the family was there too. Um, yeah. That was that was pretty cool to see. His brother was pretty emotional, which was which was awesome. Should we we, we kind of do it just because we always it's just it's it's content for sure. Should we talk Michigan at all? And is Wisconsin good? Oh, that was awesome. Um, I think Wisconsin is. Good, I think Wisconsin's good, but uh, honestly, like Michigan, Michigan gave up. Like they just gave up about halfway through. Like after the first quarter, they just gave up. It was awesome. that team. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was fun to watch. That team quit just like DC. That that team quit, and I think there was a few there was a few points in that game where you thought the tide was going to turn. They forced a fumble that was ruled an incomplete pass. Uh, I guess that happened twice. Um, and then what what was the other thing? Something else happened in that game. They got oh, they, in the end they, zone. They, yeah, they, they got the end zone. Yeah, the they get in the end yeah. zone and they get stopped on the goal line on fourth. Like those are those are plays. I'm not saying they make you win the game, but I'm saying they keep you interested in the game. As somebody who's wearing you know 
maize and blue. Um, and for all of those to go against you, that team quit. And I can't say I entirely blame them because they got their doors blown off. Mm-hmm. They, we, we thought for a second there might be life with Cade McNamara, um, a former Irish commander. I think he was three for four in his first four passes, and they look good. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, is, is Wisconsin good? Because, you know, the computers right now love Wisconsin. They have them as you know one of the top three teams in the country. Two games. I know. I, like it's bad teams. I think that this this weekend they, could be tough. They played, yeah. Northwestern's not going to lie down like no. Michigan did. And, you know, it's a just classic Wisconsin. We saw them come back a little bit more to the classic Wisconsin teams that we know where, you know, they're pounding the football, getting their fullbacks touchdowns. Because against Illinois, which almost seems like a month ago now, probably what it almost was a month ago, you know, they're airing it out all over the field. But. You know, they kind of got back to their identity and just absolutely pounded Michigan. So I, I would have loved to see that game between these two teams this year. That would have been an awesome yeah. game. Notre Dame and Wisconsin would have been Notre a fun Dame, one. Wisconsin. What do you guys think? Like, say Wisconsin doesn't make up any more games and they and they, they they win out the rest of the way. They're six and zero. Do you think it's a fair shout for that for the for the playoff for them? They have to be same thing with a Pac twelve team. Well, if they it, if they beat Ohio State. In the Big Ten title, yeah, I think they're in. And I think Ohio State, there's no argument for them, really. Their best win will be Indiana. Yeah, with the game with the game cancellations and short numbers, I just don't think that you're going to have a better resume to have a second Big Ten team in other than the one that wins that wins the Big Ten championship. Yeah, I think no more than, no more than one Big Ten team is getting in, but... I think if they beat should a Big Ten team if if they beat Ohio State it's not Ohio State I, if they beat Ohio State I think they'll have a very good case because I think Ohio State's very very good I I think Wisconsin yeah I think Wisconsin if, I think it's pretty much down to I mean hell even if like Northwestern Wisconsin those are the only two undefeated teams in the Big Ten uh, West right now if Northwestern beats Wisconsin then somehow beats Ohio State they have yeah. an argument I think I would put them in I think an un- undefeated so. Undefeated I, I think, Big Ten champ has a has a has a case for sure. Yeah, I, I'm always reminded at this time of the year that there's like still just so much football left to be played. Yeah, and I hope it's played throughout this year. But like it always seems so solidified right now, and it's ne- it never is. It's not. Also, I don't think that like we have four more weeks. I don't think the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are on the same level by any means. Um, and I think the, I think USC continues yeah. to show that. I don't I don't know what Oregon is. I can't tell what Oregon is. I don't think I've watched their games close enough. But to watch USC twice come down to the wire against some teams that really aren't that good proves to me that the Pac-12 South is not going to be where you're going to find a playoff spot for, for the for Pac-12. Yeah, I think Oregon's yeah. Oregon's clearly need... talented, but they're 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 young. Yeah. they're not there they yet. They are young. They are. They're not. They're not going to beat. They're not going to beat anyone that's, like, even the top 15 teams in the country. Like, USC's the second-best team in that conference, I guess, maybe. And, you know, we've seen them struggle against two very average teams. You know, they should have lost both, honestly. But, oh, well. Hey, let's talk some BC. Yeah, let's talk some BC. So, final score, what was it, 45-31. First impressions that that could have been a lot worse in my opinion. The Irish Cruiser was another one of those games where in my opinion it never really felt in doubt, primarily because of the way we moved the ball on them but 
I would have loved to see that score be something like, you know, 60 to 23. Which it could have been. It could have been. Um, for a couple different reasons, it could have been. But, like, I don't want us to forget, like, they moved the ball a lot at the end because we had Houston Griffith in there. <laughs> yeah. We had we, – we were we – were, mm-hmm. Riley Mills and the rest yeah, of the Yeah, we were getting everybody some, some time late, uh, and that's kind of the reason they were able to move it late. I was – I was concerned earlier in the game. I never thought that we were we were going to lose the game just because of how good our offenses looked. Um, but the cover was certainly in doubt when the score climbed to ten. Was it ten three? Right? Or is it ten three? And it, and and is that when is the ensuing kickoff the onside kick? I, maybe, or it might have been that thirteen ten. I'm not sure. It was right around there though. BC had the lead. I want to give I want to give a early award. Um, Ian's Intelligent Award. It goes not to Isaiah Pryor because that would have been six if he catches the ball. Um, I'm going to give it to the refs on that play. And also the refs going back to it, the officiating crew against Louisville because that whole blocking before um, the opponent has a chance to catch the ball is a huge rule for Notre Dame this year. Twice. It's now been twice. 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 And they, they, they aptly called it again. Uh, against BC and gave us the ball back when I easily thought it could have been BC ball again because I didn't know the rule. Well, luckily they did call that against Louisville because that was the first thing I looked for on the replay against BC when I heard they were. You did say that. It's like yeah, oh like right. Once they reviewed it, you're like before ten yards, and it's pretty easy to call if you're looking for it. But I'm never looking for it. Yeah, and I that the fact that that's a reviewable penalty as well because neither of those were called on the field. I believe. So I think like, the BC one was because I was it? I think there was there were all also they called them offsides which I didn't even think they were offsides. Yeah, I will say, if Pryor caught that ball and just housed it in two seconds, that would have been, been pretty dope. Been awesome. He could have. He could have. He was walking. Hit in. him in the face. Um, but yeah, earlier, early in that spot when they when they first land on the outside kick, I I thought we could be in some trouble, just because that's another to to me that's another one of those signs like. The team that's not supposed to win is doing are doing is doing is doing all the all the things they need to do to win, right? You know, like they they landed on an onside kick which they probably weren't supposed to get, and that's that was to me troubling just about the juju about the way the game was going. Uh, but we quickly we quickly settled in from there on out, and I think it was thirty one sixteen at half, um, and it, it quickly became a Notre Dame route um, in the second quarter. I, uh, I, I I watched the game with, with a couple 86 Notre Dame grads. Uh, shout, out, shout out John and Greg. And I don't know what happened to that class, but they are the most pessimistic group of Notre Dame football fans that I've ever been around. Because every single time, like, all right, yeah, it was a bad fumble on the second drive. Tyree, it's a freshman mistake. The, the onside, but anything that could have gone wrong, every single time they said it, they go, this is how it happens. This is exactly how it happens. And they're, they're talking 93, and I'm like, it, they're so wrong about their pessimism in that spot. So I was more optimistic just because I was juxtaposition. Juxtaposition. Yep, big word, Ian. Between <laughs> me and them um, was big. So I, I never think it was going to go that that poorly just because we were so much part of them. Donald, like you said, we moved the ball. Speaking speaking of the fumbles, was were the goddamn balls greased? Like, I mean, we could not hold out to the rock. What the hell was that? Oh. 
There were, like the... We actually had four if you include Jackizers. Yeah. I thought that that one was honestly like <laughs> after a pick. I thought that was just God point. Me too. That, that was – that was. Like, I was being tested in that, in that moment. The Kyron fumble was goofy as well. He made a great play to – Is that when he got hurt? He, that's a – that's on, that one was on Kyron. Like he's just got a high and tight. He was getting loose with the ball in it, hang out. Good play by the BC guy, Tyree. You know, that's like you said, Tom's a fresher mistake. Then Skaronix was his. Uh, his was another guy coming from yeah. behind, right? Yeah. He just also made a good move. The ball. He made a good move. But Kyron and and Skaronic both made good moves on on their plays, respective plays, to get a few extra yards. But you got to hold on to the ball. Once you know, got like you said, got to keep it high and tight. It, it was that was that. Those were those were some pain points for me there in the game for sure. Fellas, can I can I rant real quick? Please. Sure. Phil Yorkovic is not good at football. <laughs> he did not play a good game. Nope. That he did not play a good game. He had a good touchdown throw the first or the second touchdown. The first touchdown, Nick McLeod easily should have caught that. Like where are you going? Turn your head around. That was an awful throw. That was a terrible, terrible throw. throw. Behind the receiver, floating it up there in the red zone. Terrible throw. Um, should have had two more to Kyle Hamilton. Phantom face mask call on Bo Bauer. What was that? That was a joke. That was a pick that got stolen away from us. And then Kyle got big eyes and, and dropped what, what could have been six. Um, I, I, I just feel, yeah, he's clearly physically talented. But he's not, like, I thought we saw today why he wasn't ever going to get playing time Notre Dame. I mean, I think before those like last few drives, he started out fourteen of thirty-four for passing. That's that's like, a joke. He had like I will give him. He had that one impressive play where was, I believe it was on third down, where he escaped two of our he guys. Got popped too. I think it was Ade and Dalen, or like Foskey and Dalen, and you know rifles ball forty yards down the field for a catch on third and long. Gosh, just get him there, and like that, I, I believe they scored on that drive again, even if it was just a field goal. Just like, uh, there's just so many opportunities for us to make this game, you know, the score of this game actually reflect how it was played on the field. He that was I will give him credit on that. He got he and he escapes Foskey on around the ankles, and then Dalen Dalen has a hand on him, gets rid of that, and I don't know who came from the linebacker spot, but somebody came and popped him, like shoulder pad to the ribs. And he still stepped through and made a really good throw down the field. Um, so I'll give him credit on that. But other than that, man, he, he did not look very good. His decision-making was poor. I thought he I, – I don't think he puts a lot of zip on the ball. Um, he kind of just uh, – to me, a lot of them just kind of hung up there and floated. Um, and I will say one of the, my favorite plays of the game had to have been Sean Crawford with the spider with the spider monkey sack on on Phil Jergrick. One of the uh, – I, I don't – I don't know how many times Pat Korth has gotten a sack in, in in tackle football before, but I'd imagine that's exactly how he would sack the quarterback. <laughs> Leaving his feet. The other thing I'll spread. say about that Crawford sack, Phil was holding the ball right yeah, here. Yeah, ripped the Crawford ball. Crawford could have just jumped in yeah. taken it. <laughs> like, I mean, it was still a sweet play. I mean, it's the smallest guy on the field tackling 6'6 you know, Phil, but... You know, he literally could have just taken the ball from him and ran with it, but still cool to see. I thought I thought Crawford played a solid game. I haven't been you know huge on him all year, but you know, he made plays in this game. He had another uh, couple break or break pass breakup, I think. So while we're we'll need him against these passing attacks. While we're on this on the topic of Phil and being on the ground, I'll give my big fellow the 
big fail of the uh, week award to Kurt Heinisch um, for making one of the best one of the one of the best plays of the day was him getting in Phil's beak after the uh, the the the, the miss snap that goes past Phil and rolls for twenty five yards. They land on it, but you know we land right next to them, and uh, and they get up and Heinisch and Phil are just. Sh- chirping each other back and forth and, and Phil needs to get pulled off get needs to get needs to get held back from going at Heinish and that play was really funny for me. I, I love that because I I learned that they were yeah. also like high school rivals. Yeah. It was like the big public school was Phil's and then Kurt went to Central Catholic which was a private school. So there was a quote from Kurt Heinish going back to when he was in I think he was a freshman at Notre Dame and Phil was a commit. He's like, Yeah, that guy's still my rival till we're teammates at Notre Dame, like you know, wish him luck, but and that that leads me to believe that those two might not have even been the friendliest <laughs> while they were on campus together at ND. So I fucking love that. Me too. Kurt. He's one of my favorite players on this me team. Too. I, it did not seem like there was a lot of love lost, not even with Kurt, just in general. Like, maybe it was just a, a rivalry game, but, like, Phil, when he left, like, he was pretty unapologetic about it. Like, they're talking about it, like, yeah, he didn't feel like he got a fair shot at Notre Dame. Like, all right, dude. Well, whenever you took your shot, you weren't good. Um, so I, I was, I, I almost was a little bit like wanted to see him succeed, but like I wanted to just, I wanted us to destroy him. I think a lot of people wanted that. It was like almost the whole, f- the first half of the game, when the announcers, you know, I, I thought McDonough and Blackledge they called our pit game, and I thought they did a really good job calling that game. This game, they spent the whole first half like trying to drum up this storyline about Phil that, you know, he was this scorned player at Notre Dame. All the coaches hated him. All the players were texting him that they were pissed off, like trying to make this like a sob story for Phil. And it was just so annoying because, like, that's obviously not the case. Like, we saw at the end of the game, like, he was coming up and, like, hugging all the players, taking pictures. Like, no one was, you know, talking shit and text to him except for maybe <laughs> i mean if you go if you go to his instagram account it's an easy easy research project for that production crew just to see that like half the comments are old notre dame teammates always always i yeah and i i just i'm i like i love sean mcdonough i think he's great i love when he calls the games uh he's right up there with like fowler and herb street uh for me as far as who i like to hear call the games but the 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 dramatic the time they spent on the Phil leaving Notre Dame thing was extremely, extremely dramatic, um, and and was uh, to me was over, was overly played out. Uh, you know, if I if I hear the words Phil save screenshots one more time, I'm gonna lose my mind. All right, let, let's flip it over to the other side of the ball, because we, we we haven't mentioned this in we're what like I don't know twenty minutes in. We haven't mentioned the play of twelve, <laughs> our quarterback. Re- Retro sports guy said he's referring to him as twelve the rest on. of the year. So that means I will Retro sports guy it, it, it had a week firing from the hip at anybody who would acknowledge him. It was awesome to watch. He's a, he's a character. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think he had enough of uh, you know people on Twitter. I think he might have, you know, bored, hadn't really – probably uh, knowing retro sports guy, probably hadn't left his basement in a week. <laughs> um, I don't know retro sports guy. This is just what I assume from his Twitter persona. Probably hasn't left his basement for a week. Getting a little cabin fever, so he started firing off tweets at you know every major college sports writer and getting in fights with SEC fans on Twitter defending the Irish. Loved it. We need we need a hero like that. We do. Um, they, they don't all wear capes. Some of them wear um, 1980 plastic Notre Dame helmets. 
with with X with X's on it. Um, but I uh, I think I I would say Retro Sports Guy was fighting the good fight this week uh, for the Notre Dame faithful, uh, and I appreciated that. If you if, if you haven't got a chance to read them, go through and read them. But Ian Book's game, I thought you know obviously you know all things considered, his performance against Clemson was better. I thought, you know, just from a pure quarterbacking standpoint in terms of pocket awareness, putting the ball on the money, I thought this was his best game in a Notre Dame uniform. I would say that, I would say, I, I have a very difficult time disagreeing with that. Um, the thing that stood out to me the most was his feet. Uh, his feet his, his feet and his awareness. Um you know, I think something that we talked a lot about in the in our preview and in the beginning of the season was Ian Book's happy feet. And how sometimes he was too hesitant he was leaving too early or he just didn't have a good feel for the pocket. This man's internal clock, as far as how much time he has in the pocket, right now is second to none and you can't convince me otherwise. And there's a few plays where he's getting pressure and he knows exactly which steps to take so he can peel himself out and have a throwing line. I'm thinking of the the touchdown to Skoranek, uh on the far sideline, the second one I believe. I, I think it was the second one where he's about to get sacked. He backpedals and then rolls out to his left and puts a really nice touch on the ball to Skoranek. I think I think a hard line drive wouldn't have done it and a lollipop wouldn't have done it either. You had to find somewhere in the middle because he had somebody on his hip. Um, but just his his awareness and his feet right now are are so 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 impressive uh he looks awesome and i'm really happy for him on that end yeah i i completely agree it's crazy how what we thought was his weakness has now become maybe his greatest attribute um he's just stepping up and back in the pocket like he used to just kind of roll over his shoulder and either trip himself or fall right into a sack and he's escaping and extending plays and then making the play um in the past we've seen him be able to make the play and then kind of freak out um, and, and not finish it. Uh, but now he's he's ast- extending the play and then putting that on the money to Skronik. Like we saw against was it was it Pitt earlier where he uh, he escaped the pocket and then he he overthrew Tommy Tremble just a bit um, in a throw that he should have made. Um, in a short time, he seemed to have you know rectified that issue. Yep. And the throws he was missing, I wasn't necessarily worried about the ball placement for Ian earlier in the year, just because those are throws that we know his skill set, we know he can make. You know, he's not doesn't have to throw that twenty yard deep out to the far sideline. You know, they're all throws he can that are in his arsenal. And honestly, I thought the best throw of Ian's night came on an incomplete pass. It was a uh, late. It was in the fourth quarter, I believe. Lawrence Keys ran a slot fade. And Ian Book just dropped it right over his shoulder, and like it's a that's a tough catch, but it's one Keys has to make. It's one that Avery Davis probably makes. I don't want to say that for sure, but no, there's a reason Avery's starting. But I mean that throw could not have been in a better spot. That would have been another touchdown. That was another time we left points on the board, I believe. But man, I mean that was just an awesome throw. But back to Ben Skoranek, I think. You know, through the first three, four games of this year, we're talking about how our receivers just cannot do anything. And no, our receivers are not the most explosive receiving core in the country. But I mean, I think we're starting to tailor the offense to their strengths. And that's important. You know, we're not asking them to go over the top or run a post route and beat the safety by 20 yards. 
you know, we're giving them our big physical guys, you know, jump ball situations, short passing routes, giving Avery Davis, you know, room to run because he is a more explosive guy. Um, I haven't given my award yet. I'm going to give uh, the bald head of the week to Ben Skaronic. I mean, two of those, the one touchdown was the great play by Book, and he just kind of ran in. But two of those touchdowns were really hard catches. And what I liked most was he shouldn't have gotten flagged. That was so soft. That was so soft. Flexing in the dude's face. Just literally on the replay, he, he just catches the ball. Moss is the dude. Uh, I was watch. I was watching you know, the the whole. You got Moss stuff last night, and they changed it to just DeAndre Hopkins highlights, which is fair. Instead of showing, because Skronik would have been on there for uh-huh. at least one of his catches, but uh, he catches the ball with the dude's arm in between the ball and himself. Once the guy lets go, Skronik just turns around and just screams in his face. Doesn't say anything. Just screams in his face and got flagged. The, I mean that that congrats, Ben. You're that's the ball football. Like, what did the ref expect after a catch like that? Him to just like shake hands? Yeah, that was that was the first quarter catch. That was really first quarter that was really catch. soft. But I would also say that I'm really, um, I'm really pleased and encouraged by the chemistry I'm seeing book develop with the rest of the receivers, especially Skaronic. I think he's finally found kind of a favorite target that it doesn't necessarily not going to necessarily be a a safety blanket, but he's starting to get some confidence in that these guys can make some catches that maybe they're not necessarily supposed to make. Um, and I think the D made a good point too about Taylor in the offense a little bit to get our guys in, to get our guys in space. Specifically, when we get guys moving east to west, uh, in, especially in zone coverage, I think that's that's kind of like what works best for us. I think that that's what you saw. There was it was a, it was a flood play. It was an early play, but it was a flood play to the right or to the far sideline that Ian Book found Avery Davis um, to get a drive, to kind of kickstart a drive. And then also earlier in the game, um, the, the absolutely the lethality of, of, of Michael Mayer, of Mike Mayer crossing the middle of the field and having to get picked up by a linebacker is awesome yeah. because he's just more athletic than the linebackers. And few linebackers can make that tackle. No, like few. He gets hit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, pretty soon after he catches it, and it's no. There's no chance they're making that tackle. No, he, I love that he's not. He, he was very rarely do you see him go down with the first tackle. So I, I would just to D's point, get our guys in space, especially moving east west across the field, because Ian Book Ian Book will be able to make the throw. It's just a matter of whether or not we can we can get them and get them open, uh, especially in zone coverage. So we had we had big big goals for this team, especially after beating Clemson. Um, and they weren't going to happen if there was no passing game. So it's nice that Book, Reese, Kelly, the receiving core, Del Alexander didn't give up on the passing game because um, we're going to need we're going to need a passing attack. Um, we need it against Clemson, and we're going to need it going forward. Um, so if we can just continue to have that, this offense it just can be really, 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 really good. Yep, and we get. The return of uh, Braden Lindsay, he'll be back for Carolina most That's likely. Great. So just gives us that extra threat of, you know, defense has to keep that in the back of the mind. Oh, that's the guy. Because if you're lining up McKinley and Skoranek, you know, at, both out wide, you know, you're not that scared from taking the top off the defense. With Lindsay, you have to at least consider it. Who do you? So. Who do you? Who does he slot in there for? Is he or is he more in there when there's four wide receiver sets? Um, I think I think they'll rotate him in throughout. I think it'll still be like we've seen Kelly do this all year, and it, especially with Lindsey, like you know, just ease him in, maybe get him in for one or two plays. But I, I don't really like that that much because you know when he goes in, then you can just adjust and say over time, you know, it's not having that constant threat in there. 
So I, I, I think he won't play that much. I think it'll still be the same three receivers that we normally see, Davis, Skronik, and McKinley. But I, I think he'll try to easily, slowly work him back in so that you know by the time Clemson and hopefully we're in the ACC championship game, that's when you know, he's back to full tilt. Yeah. I also think I would I would bet my entire life that we're gonna see a jet sweep to Lindsay. Uh, that's a that's a preferred that's a preferred play of this coaching staff to get Lindsay a touch, uh, which I don't have an issue with. Usually it works for a few yards, so uh, not a big issue. But I, I would I would I would do, I would, do we have expect uh, it. do we have news on Sebo? Was there news on Sebo? Uh, it wasn't. Yeah, ser- I don't think it was serious. I, Kelly just said after the game wasn't serious, so. I think we would have heard if it was he had a hell of a game and he runs so hard yeah he i mean that i remember being in the office when we recruited him and he was a really late add to the class and i, I mean it was kind of like what what's what do we like about this guy and they're just like the dude just runs like a maniac um and he's out of either georgia or tennessee maybe um i think it's like the boonies of georgia or yeah something. Like, and he's not from like atlanta no nah, and he runs he just like he was maybe a three-star guy that just ran his tail off the entire time. And it like that translates like that toughness absolutely translates. And that's exactly the type of player he gives. He, he is for us. And it's, it's awesome to see. D you're right. He's a three-star out of, he's a three-star out of the boonies in Georgia, um, which is, which I think kind of speaks to the way he runs a little bit. Um, and that he just, he just run, he just runs North, South full tilt, kind of, kind of, kind of a gritty back um, who is, who is very effective in the short yardage game. Uh, the other day, which was helpful. There's two more. Got to be such a pain in the ass to, to play against. Yeah, I would imagine. There's two more things I wanted. To, I want to talk about with the game. Uh, well, just more generally before we move on to questions. I don't know if you guys have anything else, but one, one was good, one was bad. Which one do you guys want to go to first? Probably got to go the bad. Let's get the bad one. Let's, Patterson. let's get the bad one out of the way. Jared Patterson played. Finished. Finished the game on a broken ankle. That hurts so ankle? much. Jeez. I think it was. An, I'm pretty sure it was an ankle. It was foot. They said the foot, was but foot. was the foot? They said the foot in the article. I thought it was ankle in the tweet. Okay, but yeah, he Damn. finishes the game on a broken foot, which is just bananas. Um, he is going to have surgery this week, and he's he's done for through the end of the year. Fingers crossed. Back for spring practice. Will be back for summer camp. That hurts. He he was playing at from all measures, which the only one I really know of that puts out lineman grade, but like. From all accounts, he was playing at an All-American level as a sophomore, redshirt sophomore. But, I mean, that hurts because that's, you know, we discussed this among us. That's the one spot where, you know, we have Josh Log and Dylan Gibbons who have been, you know, kind of plugged in to get reps here and there at basically every other position on the line. Uh, that's the one spot where, you know, we don't have an experienced backup ready to go at center. I would feel very comfortable plugging Josh Logan at the other four positions. Actually, I think he'd probably be your best bet, even if he's at six seven as a guard. That's a little tall, but I think I'd have no problem plugging him plugging him in at any of the four of the uh, of the of the guards or the tackles. I don't think he's going to be a realistic option to plug in at center. It's just you, there are never ever six seven centers. Six seven's huge, and 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 he and he's got snaps there, but he hasn't really played there before. He's played all all other four spots except for that one. This is so like D said, just the, just the lack of lack of experience, not depth, because I think you have depth, but the lack of experience at center is is concerning and alarming at this point. 
Slev, correct if I'm wrong, but like one of the best things that I've seen from our offensive line is is our pass protection and our blitz pickup, and the center plays a huge role in that, and and, and kind of com- the the communication um, aspect of the offensive line and just making sure that every man's accounted for when they're coming after our quarterback and and like just putting inexperience there is is nerve wracking. On on the offensive lines that I've, that I've played on. I would say more often than not, the pass protection starts from the inside out. Um, just like just like any punt or or anything like that, like you gotta you gotta protect the a gaps first, um, and then you can kind of move out from there. Um, and just not having your have, missing your centerpiece of communication, even though he's the youngest guy on the line, I I I'd make a very educated guess to say that he was he was definitely a centerpiece of, of their of their communication. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that losing him for that really, really sucks. The good news is on this is that for a lot of reasons, but for this reason in particular, a bye week could not have come at a better time because then you get 11, pra- you get 11 practice days to figure out who you want in there and get these guys to communicate. Who do you guys think should go in there? We, we had this discussion. And, and you get so, your first live reps against North Carolina. So Right. But who, who do we plug in? I mean, so this is one where I, I'm I'm almost torn. Like I, I I see the arguments for both ways. Like I could go either way. There's obviously plug and play. First of all, plug and play Zeke Carell, uh, redshirt freshman from Cincinnati. Shout out. And you know he's good. He was a highly ranked recruit, kind of a mauler. But like I said, he doesn't necessarily have the chemistry. You know, working with that first unit. And that's why I said the other option that I've seen, you know, kind of thrown around on Twitter and the message boards is moving Rob Hainsey, actually, because I believe he's taken a few reps as emergency center. You know, he's actually, you know, worked with the other three guys that have been in there for the last, you know, three years. And then moving Josh Log out the tackle because he, he moved in when Rob was out last year. So I'm torn between them, you know, whether it's putting the best five out on the field, which would be moving Hainsey in the center and lug to tackle, or maybe lug to guard and banks to tackle, or some combination of that. Or just plug and playing the new center who hasn't worked with them, hasn't, you know, taken live game reps against, you know, we're going to, next time we face Clemson, it's going to be Tyler Davis in the middle. So, you know, it's a big challenge physically for him. I don't know. I would say that I would say that um, I think my the one advantage that Notre Dame's offensive line has is that I think everybody's played everywhere at one point or another. Um, like these guys, these guys are pretty fluid as far like they, they they all have their true positions right now. But I think at one point or another through their Notre Dame careers, they've all touched one of the guard guard tackler center spots outside of the one they're playing at now. Um, so that part's good, and that's why you have the flexibility to move Rob inside, and bring and bring Josh Lug in to play tackle, uh, which I think is a good option. My, I think your best bet though is, I think because you have a week week and a half here, two weeks before you have to play your next game. To me, your best bet is to get Z Carell in there yesterday <laughs> to plug him into practice yesterday at center. Um, I, like Donald said, he's really he's really high 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 highly rated recruit. Uh, I watched some of his high school film. He looked really good in the high school film. Obviously, that's gonna that's gonna happen. But yeah, he, like Donald said, he he, he would just maul people. I, I I think that because you'll have ten or eleven days to face 
to face other guys and, and, to, and to build some of this chemistry. And then you have to play a North Carolina line. It's like a really good first welcome to college football. I think that you're I, – I personally sit would say Zeke Carell to plug in um, and leave the rest of the offensive line there because the rest of the offensive line has had unbelievably good success in their respective positions. So that that's my that's my opinion. But again, I don't I don't get paid millions to coach this team. So I think Kelly Kelly but Kelly's got a really tough tough decision on his hands. I'm not sure what the right I'm not exactly sure what the right answer is at this point. I tend to agree with that more so you're gonna put so much on Zeke Carell. You're gonna have to focus so much on coaching him up in a real short amount of time. You gotta rely on the other guys to take care of themselves in their respective positions. If you're moving around, then you're you're just throwing a wrench in the whole unit, um, and there's just a bunch of shakeup. And not that the offensive line isn't a unit in and of itself, and, and losing one piece inherently throws a wrench into the whole unit. But I think you can rely on the guys that have been so good in their respective positions and just kind of throw a lot at Zeke Carell um, in terms of coaching in the next couple of weeks. So that's why I tend to lean that way. And it just seems like the simplest fix. That doesn't always mean it's the best fix. But optimistically, that's probably what I would like to see happen. I have a quick theoretical. So Patterson played eight games. As we know, Big Ten and Pac-12, probably other schools that are playing in other conferences, are probably only going to play, you know, that seven, eight, nine games. Should Patterson still get consideration for All-American teams, even though he's hurt for the rest of the year, I'm partial, but I Put say it that yes. way. Yeah, I, I'm playing playing eight games. Yeah. Now, do I think it will happen? No, but I think he should. I'm partial, but I, I absolutely think he should. Well, either way, if he doesn't, if he doesn't get on an All American team, we could just blame it on the injury now. So we got that out. <laughs> that kind of that kind of simplifies things. All right, Slav, what's the good news? All right, the good news is, the, the, to me, the good is what Brian Kelly said in an interview today with Colin Coward, that he said, Donald sent this to us earlier, he told Colin Coward that he thinks that this is his best team that he's had. Um, he calls out 12, 15, and 18 specifically as other teams that had some really that had some NFL talent that were really, really good. But he said this team is far and away his best team because of the physicality up front, domination of the offensive line and defensive line and then he said the speed on defense i think that was something that that should that that's worth mention that he said that in a comic interview and i think for me for me why it's why i say this is good news because he can say he can say whatever he wants yeah i think there, there, there can be certainly be debate as to as to whether or not that's that's true or not but to me it's good news because this tells me again that that this team is mature and and that he trusts his guys um, you know him. Him being able to say, "Hey, we're looking forward to the Clemson game. Hey, we're looking forward to the ACC championship game." But we can still take care of business now. Hey, this is the best team I've ever coached. But hey, we can still take care of business now. This won't go to their heads. To me, that's a really, really good sign of a really mature team. It's it sticks out to me because he's never said anything like that before. Now, in 2012, maybe they, I you know, wasn't paying attention to all of Kelly's press conferences like I do now. But if they asked him, is this the best team you've ever coached? I don't even think he would have come out and say that, even comparing it to his Cincinnati teams. And in 2015, same goes. In 2018, he definitely got asked similar questions to this, or how does this team compare to 2012? He never came out and said, this team's better. Until now, and you know. 
it's no slight to the players before, but I think, you know, like you said, Dom, he trusts these guys. It's not going to go to their head. The goals are in front of them. And I think he also believes that because, you know, A, you have fourth, fifth-year seniors all over your offensive line. You know, you can rely on those guys. There probably could have been more than, what, two captains from that group. Uh, your experience, you know, across the defense, you know, like you said, speed on defense. And then I think Ian Book might be, in the way he's played, not, maybe not the best season, but the most recent version of 12 over the last two weeks, that most recent version is probably the most effective quarterback in the Brian Kelly era. I'd say so. So all those things combined, like yeah, I'm I'm hard pressed to disagree with him. I'm with you. I thought this past weekend was a super mature performance. Um, of course, there were some mistakes early on, but th- there was so much talk about a letdown, and I saw no letdown in intensity. I saw no letdown in focus. Um, I thought we were we were there at the mission, and we and we got up for that game. And it's easy to not get up for that game. And I, I thought that was a sign of a maturity, not only in the players, but just a maturity in the program. Um, like we're not we weren't we weren't really ever going to lose that game. When in the past we've been susceptible to losing a game like that. And I think one one other two, one other thing too that I that I really like to see this weekend that I, I was I listened to Samson Fortuna's recap. The other day, uh, it came from Saturday night that I, I listened to on Sunday and, and yesterday, and they mentioned that Notre Dame is playing with a certain swagger that you haven't seen in a long time, where they're super, super confident. Black leather jersey. Where they, where they are super, super confident in themselves, uh, and they feel very they they feel like they can talk shit to anybody in the country, which I saw a lot of this weekend. They can talk shit to anybody in the country, can back it up, no no questions asked. Um, so I kind of like to see the, the way this team is playing with that kind of confidence and swagger. I think that bodes really well uh, when it's combined with uh, with the maturity uh, and experience of the team of, of, of the team that you're putting out there every week. Yeah, it goes back to week two. Brian Kelly saying, "No more Mister. You know, I'm tired of being the nice guy." We've seen that with this team. In retro sports, guy asks, you know, black leather jacket. This team's playing with that black leather jacket mentality right now. I'll say it. Like it, it's happened. You know, we were unsure after week two. We're like, oh, it's USF. I would have been unsure after Louisville. Pitt kind of started to, you know, show itself a bit. Georgia Tech. We're not going to remember that game anyway. Who cares? <laughs> then obviously Clemson, Boston College. You know the shit talking. You know, let's not get you know four fifteen yard personal foul penalties every game. Those are soft. We did know, not keep deserve that those. same energy. Yeah, they, they were soft penalties, and I didn't, I didn't hate them because they didn't, they didn't hurt us, they didn't hurt us, and I think they were, they were kind of proved, they were kind of proving a point. Yeah. Uh, also, on the kickoff, real quick before we go to questions, um, Batello and and Bauer are are are, are psychos in the best Whoa, way possible. That was a sweet play. That was a Dude, sweet play. These guys are nuts. They, uh, yeah. yeah. How in the right mind? How in, how in anybody's right mind are they going to be convinced? That I, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn around and run backwards 15 yards and then try and stand my ground against Jordan Patella. That is banana land. Yeah, no, <laughs> it could not be me. I would I would ask off the punt unit. I would Ryan Gosling in Remember the Titans. Yep. Just to my coach, I just be like, you know what? Put put PD in. 
Listen, I can't. I can't do Jordan Patello again. Listen, I have I have the utmost respect for this for the special teams guys who play kickoff in either direction because I it, it's a Warriors badge. It was not something I ever really wanted to sign up for. D, I know you. I, I know you did it for a living. Uh, I signed. And up you signed for up for it. You're a better man than I because I never wanted anything to do with it. And and Jordan Patello and Bo Bauer make me prove me right every freaking weekend. It's kind of interesting. Like, I feel like special teams, Notre Dame, we have not been very good at it in a long, like, I just don't think Brian Pullian's that great of a special teams coach, except on kick return coverage. Like, we've been good at that, and it's kind of been a rite of passage for some of our guys. Yeah. That's kind of the way that they've. they've Claypool's a guy who comes to mind immediately. Claypool's a guy who comes to mind, and he still does in the NFL, but, you know, Bo Bauer has kind of how he came up. Um, I can see that's that's Patella's route as well. I kind of like that that is is kind of the route for us right now, where you you got you got to you got to put the work in uh, Cert- on that kick coverage. Certainly builds great. Eventually get some some automatic snaps. All right, you want to do some questions? Some Q and A. Yeah, let, let, let's run through some questions. Uh, should I start? I'll go ahead and start. Uh, this is from, yeah, Retro Sports Guy. Paintball gun maintenance questions aside, the secondary seems to be the biggest weakness of this team. Notre Dame faces two prolific offenses in UNC and Wake Forest to end the season. Are you okay with what the secondary has shown, and how can it be fixed before, between now and the ACC championship game and college football playoff? I'm just looking. You guys want to take that? <laughs> Great question from Retro Sports Guy. Um, seems like he's got his aim under control. He's no longer fired from the hip because this one's pretty coherent. Um, for me, I'm looking for more consistency. I think just in general, I think that that to me, you have some play. They they make some good plays and they make some some great plays. Um, Sean Crawford on the like Sean Crawford on that blitz or Kyle Hampton. I know he dropped it, but like he made a great read um, on that on that almost pick six. Um, and you do have some good pass breakups. Like you've seen moments of greatness from McLeod uh, and from Bracey and from uh, Clarence Lewis, but I just needed to be more consistent for them. And I think that these two games coming up, UNC and Wake Forest, will be a really good test um, and really good preparation for the ACC championship game and and, and college football playoff. Like these are these are your last two real tests um, that I'm not really concerned with. Secondary losing the game, but it'll be a good chance for them to get whatever else they have wrong figured out, and to get some really some consistent play um, from your back five, six, seven, eight, however many guys you want to want to include in that in that package. Um, I agree. I'd like to see consistency, uh, but one thing I would say to praise this this secondary core, we don't see a lot of penalties from them, which can be pretty backbreaking. Um, so they are a, a disciplined bunch. And you mentioned McLeod. McLeod made made a couple of great pass breaker plays. Like one comes to mind where he kind of came from the backside. We always see corners wrap that back arm around, which is an automatic fifteen pretty much. Um, but he kept that back arm off and, and broke up the pass, which I thought was a great play. So we see that from him, and he can do that. The, I think the coaching needs to improve a little bit. Uh, the scheming might need to improve a little bit. Sometimes it seems like our guys are a little out of position, um, and there should be help over the top when there isn't help over the top and when they might be expecting help over the top. So I, I think the coaching is where I'd like to see a little bit of improvement. Um, 
But if you're – I don't think we can expect the secondary to ever be that great. I think we're going to need to rely on other areas of the defense like a pass rush to kind of help our secondary out. Yep, that, that's that's exactly what I was going to say is that the pass rush, I'd say to this point it's been good, not great, certainly not elite. And for Notre Dame taking the next step, like, no, we don't have the most talented secondary. We're relying on the transfer from NC State and the true freshmen. Those are, you know, corners who are playing the most right now. Like, you know, obviously you have the great eraser and Kyle Hamilton, but we really haven't even used him that much as a center fielder. You know, he's playing in the box, coming off blitzes or whatever. So I would love to see our pass rush do more, especially with just rushing four. You know, just the four D linemen, just creating pressure, getting the ball out and you know, two and a half, two seconds or less. And I think that, you know, that will make our secondary look better, you know, not give the receivers that they're matched up against more time to get open. And if we can't get pressure with four, I think, you know, it's is it time to start, you know, bringing more exotic pressures, you know, look at Clemson, they brought a ton of blitz and made it hard. Now, you know, I we mentioned right at the start of this podcast the, you know, slate of quarterbacks we're going against. You know, other than whoever the hell Syracuse runs out there, it's three really good quarterbacks at the year. And, you know, do you try to pressure them, force them to make plays, or, you know, you also run the risk of those guys getting their receivers in one-on-one matchups and beating you. So it'll be an interesting task for Clark Lee to handle. I'm looking forward to it. I, I do think, you know, that he's a little worried. I think our secondary was tired uh, by the end of that BC game, so... I think I think we'll see it cleaned up a little bit. I don't think we'll be, you know, crying out saying, oh, no, our secondary is horrible, you know, after this stretch over the next three games. But it definitely needs to work. Great question, Retro Sports Guy. Ian, you want to pick that? You want to go next? You want me to pick that? I'll go. All right. I'll go. Um, this one comes from a- another listener, and she asks – would you rather look like a potato and not feel like one or not look like a potato and feel like a potato? I would rather not look like one and kind of feel feel like one, I think. Yeah. I'd say the same. I don't have a good I don't have a why. That was my knee-jerk reaction. Well, you think of a potato, it's like, you know, kind of this thick starch. <laughs> and... Uh, Sometimes I'm a bit of a thick starch myself. Yeah. All right, take that. As what you, do bodybuilders think... eat? They eat a lot of carbs, a lot of potatoes. There's a lot of things you can do with a potato, and then I feel great. You know, it gives me energy. Dude, thanks right, for, thanks I think for I'd rather feeling like a potato doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. All right? Oh, okay, that's it doesn't interesting. have to be a bad thing. Interesting. I think I'd yeah. rather go with flip the, the question. I think I'd rather go with the look as well because um, I've always been a look good feel good play good kind of guy absolutely um, so if you look good and you're starting to f- and you feel like a potato but you look good you'll get gassed up enough to not feel like a potato anymore you'll be everybody's favorite potato like favorite type potato, of potato yeah like that's why it's baked type deal yep those are delicious Thank- Thanksgiving coming up okay I'm gonna alright do you mind if I go to my question is that okay yeah, go ahead. I uh, you, you left me you left me very di- a difficult a difficult one here. I wanted to ask one of the other ones. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it. Uh, given it's a bye week, we can talk about the other stuff next week. Uh, Madeline asked, 
uh, most underrated spot on the Notre Dame campus. Gotta be, gotta be underrated. I had a few in mind. Somebody go first. Could we? Can, all right. So if somebody says a spot, can we veto if it's not underrated? Yeah, we can veto if if it. If it yeah. I'm gonna go with the Rock. Because the Rock not only. Not only do you have just some great basketball being played um, and squash and, and dive night and, and the, the weight room, but also when you step out of the rock, you got the whole view of South Quad. Yes, you do. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the rock, which is a dying a dying landmark on campus. It is, with, unfortunately. Uh, Duncan and North Dome, but no, no better place to ball. Wouldn't, wouldn't want wouldn't want to be slipping anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Time you got one. I still need this. Um. Yeah. Uh. I have I have one. It's uh, you guys can beat this one, maybe. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite spots, or one of my favorite views on campus is walking out of La Fun um, and looking right up at the dome. The reason I say it's underrated, I know it's fairly popular. I think it's underrated is because it's not the most popular dome spot. Usually, you go over to the Basilica side or to the middle, right, right by the Jesus, uh, right by the Jesus statue, um, and you get all the fires and stuff. But I think the best view of the dome. Is stepping right outside of the fun, right on that little landing there by the top of the stairs. Yeah, with with a with a cheesy gordita crunch in hand. Sure. Yeah, um, or, or your Starbucks if that's what you that's what you fancy more. I think I'd probably lean with the gordita crunch, but some people would probably say Starbucks. Mine. Well, I can't really say like the second floor of Como, back left corner where you can just put your head down and take a nap because that would be mine. Uh, but that's not really a campus spot. Um, I I would say. You know, at the back of the lakes, it's something you never see in, like, the pictures of the lakes by Notre Dame. There's just a whole-ass basketball court back there. By Carroll Hall? I by never Carol? hooped there. Yeah, I, yeah. Sometimes there's people hooping I there. I never hooped there. So, yeah, that, yeah but I've, I've never hooped there. I only went on a few runs around the lakes during my time. But every time you pass that court, you're like, ah, look, basketball court. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, we should play there sometimes. You never do. But it's just cool to say. It's cool to say that, oh, we should play there. I would I would I don't know. That was a pretty weak answer by me. It's underrated, but <laughs> I think it's certainly an underrated spot. Um I think I think that's that's a that's a certainly fair underrated pick. Another one is walking out of D Bart during a like a transition period. Yeah. Because you got people going to lunch, you got people come I mean, you've got a lot going on there. And you it's kind of the center hub of campus. So I'll take that. As well, I, I took two picks. My bad. I retract. No, that, that, that's that's a good one. Another one I would have would be South Dining Hall. I liked to go at four forty-five right when I got out of class, <laughs> junior and senior year included. Um, go right out in those first tables, right when you walk into the table area, and you know what's a power move? Being alone in the dining hall, putting your headphones in, and taking one of the tables front and center. Just commanding the space. Yeah, you really you throw everybody else there for a loop. Big time. Like you change up the yeah, entire the entire off. seating chart. With with that said, with that said, I also think that D, you were never late. You were always an early dinner guy. But I think I was occasionally a late dinner guy. And South Dining closing down South Dining Hall late in like the eight fifteen eight thirty. It's not something I would do frequently, but it is something that some of the times that I had my best my best and most memorable memorable conversations was just kind of getting caught. Caught in a uh, in a South Dining Hall time trap. He caught in an absolute food desert. Yeah. No way, <laughs> choices. 
No. If you had, like, maybe French fries. Cereal, cereal's always there. Always. That's something that doesn't leave. Uh, my last honorable mention for favorite spot on campus would have been, uh, this, sound, this may sound kind of morbid, but uh, if you're running running up that, in between the lakes, that I don't know exactly, I don't know what that street's called, but the one that heads out towards 31, um, right up, right between, running up that or back down that towards the grotto is really nice, and then at the top of it is the cemetery on the left, which is like where all the Holy Cross priests are buried. Um, anytime you need somewhere to go think, where it's really, really quiet, nobody else is around. I know it's a cemetery, but there's a lot of history in that cemetery. There are, and there are people around. Kind of, yeah. They're just underground. <laughs> They're underground, but it's that's a good place to go to go think, especially if you need a pause and, and run. I, I, I was a favorite of mine. Next time we're on campus. Yeah. All right. You want to do some pecs? Let's do some pecs. All right. Strong, strong showing. Ian, you were 4 0. D, you and I were both 3 and 1. Um, everybody hit on Notre Dame and Wisconsin. Ian, you and I hit on Florida. And then you guys both hit on the Wake Forest game. Ian, you had Wake Forest. And D, you had the over, uh, which hit quite early. Um, I think they had they, they had they had the over before halftime. Did you guys. Did you? Um, the cover was a late. That was a late cover. Yeah. Yep. Uh, did you guys see the tweet that was that was tweeted to tweeted at Barton Simmons? Uh, I don't know if you how big you guys are to cover through, but he he he's got the over army, and he had some he had somebody tweeted him like, uh, report from Chapel Hill, Captain. We should we should uh, the over army should take Chapel Hill by halftime, and I was like that that's really <laughs> funny because that's that's really accurate. They they had it by halftime. It wasn't close. Um, Good news for this week is so that brings D to twenty one and thirty. Ian, you're 20, 27, 23 and one, and I'm twenty five and twenty six. Uh, again, coming for that ass here. Um, <laughs> uh, better sleep this week than we had last week, um, which is which is great. Um, hopefully everything stays put and nothing gets canceled. Knock on wood. But we'll start the first game of the week. Um, are the Hoosiers for real? Indiana travels to Columbus. Um, and they are 20-and-a-half-point road dogs, uh, Ohio, Ohio State. That's a noon kick. Uh, what do you guys think? No, I don't think they're for real. I think they're solid. I think they'd be – I legitimately think they're a middle-of-the-road ACC team. Like, I don't think they're beating, like, Miami or Carolina. I think, they'd be, I think they're about the level of a Boston College team. I think Ohio State's twenty-one points better than them. All right, I would. I so I pick Ohio State. Everything, I want to say they're for real, um, and and for real is a tough thing because like, there's not a lot of teams that would keep it to within twenty-one against Ohio State. I don't think Indiana's one of those teams, so I'm de- I'm definitely gonna take Ohio State here. I'm gonna take Ohio State here. I'm gonna for sure root for Indiana. Um, but I, I, I just think the rest of the Big Ten, besides Ohio State and Wisconsin, is is not that good. Um, I think we'll get back to that with Northwestern as well. But, I mean, there's not a lot of teams that can keep it within 21 to Ohio State, so I'm taking I'm taking Ohio State. But go Hoosiers. Yeah, I, uh, I love Tom Allen as a head coach. Um, I think he's doing really, really good things in Bloomington. And I think this team – Easy to root for. Very easy to root for. And I don't think this team is like a – 
like a like a one year facade. Like I, I actually think that they could be could be there to hang around in the second or third spot in the Big Ten East uh, for for quite some time. Um, you know, as long as, long as Tom Allen's at the helm. Uh, but I just think Ohio State's going to be too much. Um, and I think that you know, if if the number had climbed over twenty one, you could find me maybe taking Indiana. But I, I just think twenty one is probably the right number. Uh, and I think that Ohio State will win by three touchdowns. Um, with that said, though, I'm in the same transit, and I, I would love to see them pull the upset and give me, a, you know, stick stick, a, stick an L right in my face, um, and give me give me one of the loss column. Uh, I, I I hope I hope they do it. But I, I really hope that they can knock off Ohio State. That would make things a lot easier for Notre Dame for sure. Um, all right, next next one. This one's a good one. I think this is a 3:30 kick. It might be a 7:30 kick. Somebody correct me uh, on that. But Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, Bedlam. Uh, Oklahoma seven and a half point favorites at home. This one's tough. Right, I'll, yeah, yeah. It, so it I'll moves. go there. That that convinces me. Seven and a hook in Bedlam. I'm definitely gonna take the underdog no matter what. So I'm gonna go with Oklahoma State there. I'm not convinced on Oklahoma either. Um, I think Spencer Sanders and, and um, the Hoax can put up some points on them. So uh, I think I think Oklahoma State. I mean, I might money line sprinkle this. I think Oklahoma State could easily win that. I don't know why that's not a toss up. Seven and a half seems like so much. Yeah. See? Seems like so much, but I've I've gotten fooled on this shit all year. I want to take Oklahoma State, so I'm going to take Oklahoma. <laughs> Riding Spencer Rattler train for this one. Maybe they've turned a corner. The I am the same exact way. I'm taking the over in this game. I am the same exact way that I, I think. Like I really want to take Oklahoma State. I know it's going to be wrong, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm not going to correct like you just corrected. Um, I think Spencer Sanders is good. I think Ch- I think Chuba Hubbard's very good, um, and I just think in rivalry games like this, you know, I don't. I'm not far off of being convinced that this finishes 45-42 um, or something like that. Um, I, I think that, you know, in a rivalry game, anything could happen. Um, and I think, you know, there's a chance Oklahoma State wins the game, and I might also give them a little money line sprinkle. I'm going to take Oklahoma State against the spread here for sure. But, you know, I, I, think, I think this will end up being a pretty tight game and will be a very good very good to have in a later slate that's not going up against a, a pretty solid moon slate. All right, next game, another interesting one. We'll go back to the Big Ten. Um, Wisconsin heads up to Ryan Field to play uh, Northwestern, the fighting Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, Northwestern is a seven-and-a-half-point seven point dog, you guys think. Not it. So this one, I have a stat. Give me all the stat. stats you got, dude. So in the, in, the, in the last 27 matchups between Wisconsin and Northwestern, Wisconsin's been favored in every single one of them. Northwestern has won 12 outright. <laughs> really? Yeah, so I, I, I'm going with Northwestern. See, I saw that. I think it had to have been Ravel. Who might? <laughs> um, yeah, it had to have been Ravel. But Northwestern can really play some defense. They've given up three second-half points wow. all year long. Wow. That's a good stat. So, I... I like the cats here, the cover at least. Maybe moneyline sprinkle, probably not. But you know, I, I I mean, I wish this game was a uh, eleven a.m. Beth Moen's on the call, but yeah, I, I think it'll still be a battle. I see them keeping within a touchdown. That that going over seven's pretty big. Slab, you want to go? 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, I too. So this game's a this game's a three thirty kick, uh, which I'm happy it's in the three thirty slot. Uh, I am definitely gonna go with Northwestern. Um, I was going with Northwestern before the the stat that D gave about them only giving up three points in the, in the second half, uh, but that kind of even just solidified it. Um, I think I think they'll they'll be able to defend Ryan Field um, with some swirling winds up there on the north shore north north side of Chicago. Um, and I, I don't know. I just I, I think that I think this game stays tighter than a touchdown. Um, um, again, another good chance that it, there's there's a small chance that I also money line sprinkle this one um, because I think they're I, I think North I think Northwestern could have the stuff to knock off knock off Wisconsin. Uh, we'll see we'll see how good Graham Mertz is, especially if, especially if Northwestern can key in on um, stopping the run and challenging Graham Mertz. I think that could be that could be something that. That would be interesting and something to keep an eye on for, for that for that sleep. So I've grown up in Chicago for way too long to think that Northwestern is a shit. <laughs> like there's like so many times like did Pat Fitzgerald finally create a good program? No, Pat Fitzgerald always has a mediocre program. That's kind of the way it is. He's a nice guy, good coach, uh, but they're never gonna win. They're never gonna. If they weren't undefeated. Maybe, but that like they're gonna lose at some point, and this is this is gonna be when they lose. So I'm gonna take Wisconsin. I'll probably if I'm betting it, I'm gonna buy the hook um, to make it seven. But I think I think Wisconsin Northwestern's overvalued for some of the reasons Dono pointed out, and then Wisconsin is still a train right now. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on them to uh, kind of put it to Northwestern. Well, I love some dissent. On this, we'll be we'll have some separation on the board this week. Um, all right, last two games we'll go to the group of five. Uh, Cincinnati goes down to Orlando to play UCF. Um, Fick will take his boys down there, and UCF is a four and a half point home dog. Who you guys got? See, I've been riding with UC all year. They've made me some good money. I I kind of have to, even though I hate them, but I want their coach. But I think they know they went for style points last week against East Carolina, faking a punt and five minutes left in the fourth up huge. They know like if this game's close, they're getting to that number easily. So I get UC. Um, I UCF has a really good offense numbers wise. Um, they have a really good offense, and Dylan Gabriel's putting up numbers. UC has a really good defense, and I think could slow that down. And Dylan Ritter is a beast. Like he's an absolute beast. I don't think you can trust UCF in this spot. Um, I think Cincinnati's all around the better team. If there were a ton of fans in the stadium, I might go with UCF because they're really good at home in Orlando. But I'm gonna go Cincinnati here. But I think it's, it's got to be one that we're rooting for UCF. Like we we're gonna need Cincinnati to lose at some point. I just yeah so, I we probably don't absolutely need them to lose, but I'd rather not leave it up to chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm gonna go with UC, but root for UCF. I'm also gonna go with UC. I think Fickle's done a really, really good job. Um, Desmond Ritter's been impressive. I think the defense has looked really good as well. Um, for all those reasons, I think that this, if this, I think this this line should be higher. I think if you had it at a touchdown, I think I'd have a harder time landing on UC. But inside of a touchdown, I got no problem taking the Bearcats. Did I call him Dylan Ritter? You did call him Dylan Ritter, but I, I think everybody kind of knew you met Desmond Ritter. 
plus 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 a pick for a pick for Cincy is a pick for Notre Dame alum uh, Michael Young Jr. So. All right, last game on the slate is another Group of Five game, uh, really interesting one in my opinion. Here, uh, App State goes to Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina favored by five and a half at home. Um, what do you guys think? Is this is this where the is this where the shots run out of luck, or what's the deal? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> App State's one in six against the spread. Coastal Carolina's five one and one. Off that alone, taking the Chanticleers, they proved me wrong. They beat my my Panthers. I'm not wearing the shirt this week. Haven't been able to do laundry, but yeah, I got I got. Coastal they blew Carolina. the doors off your Panthers. <laughs> yeah, they didn't just beat the Panthers. They easy, they kicked them easy. back down to FCS. I'm I, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go with the shots as well. Um, despite App State's incredible social media team, um, the shots the shots are just incredible against the spread, and they've never done me dirty either. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go Coastal Carolina. They're rolling. They got the DJ win. Um, Dustin Johnson, a Coastal Carolina alum. So uh, maybe they're feeling that winning vibe, and they they keep rolling against App State. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I can't tell you exactly why I'm going with this, but I, I'm going to go with App State. I just think that. I think as far as group of group of five teams are concerned, I don't think that the shots should be considered in the same breath as Cincinnati and BYU. Um, and eventually they're going to come back down to earth. And I think if there's a team to do it, I think it's a I think it's an App State team that's part of a bigger that has 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 a bigger culture for their program of kind of just like not backing down from 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 ranked teams in any spots and. The the stat that D gave with the with the Mountaineers against the spread is concerning, but um, I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take App State this weekend, and we can play Luke Combs from the rope from the rooftops uh, when they when they go to Coastal and not and knock off knock off the shots. Huh. Breaking news: <laughs> Notre Dame, uh, boom! Notre Dame has flipped the nation's number one kicker, Joshua Bryan from Colorado. Yo, let's go! That's, That's great sweet. news. That is good. That's big news because Door is a weapon. Yeah. If we're getting a number one kicker, let's go. Are we hey. kicker you? No, but we might be. Check back with me to five years, and that the answer might be yes. It's going to be nice to be st- stepping inside the forty and knowing you're you're getting points. Okay, guess where he uh, went to high school too. This is kind of where. Uh, he. he- Sierra Canyon, he goes with Brown. No way. No way. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. And yeah. Zaire Wade, right? Yep. All right, let's talk about locks. Who wants to go first? Slav, you got yours locked and loaded. I am. I'm. Yeah, I, I want to see. I want to see yours because I, I have a feeling, Tom, that mine's the same as yours. But okay. I'll switch it. So uh, I want to shout out Sean O'Brien for giving it, for bringing this to the atten- for the yeah. attention. Yep. Um. Uh, of a few of us earlier this week, uh, the, my only regret is is taking this at six, not knowing it was going to move down to four and a half. I got the Demon Deacons traveling to Duke um, to play uh, to play to play the Duke Blue Devils. I, I I can't explain to you why this line is only at four and a half right now. Uh, I'm going to take it at four and a half and be ha- very happy about it. I think obviously Sam Hartman and and boys showed up. That they showed that they can put up points last week with North Carolina. This North Carolina team, I think, beat beat Duke by like thirty. Um, and, and and Wake Forest hung with them for quite some time, made it a very tight game. 
uh, fun stat from Sean O'Brien here is that um, Duke Duke has been within seven points of an ACC opponent one time this year, exactly one time, and that one time was against the Syracuse Orange and the Fighting Dino Babers. Uh, so that just doesn't really have, inspire me to say that they're going to keep this without a touchdown. I got Sam Hartman and Demon Deacons uh, in something that I feel very confident in, um, for sure. So I also I agree with that pick, and I would usually hop on it with you. Um, but I'm, de- I mean, I'm definitely going to hop on it with you, but not for my lock of the week because um, I think the Deacons are so much better than uh, Duke. I. I think one principle that we've developed on this pod is betting against USF is usually a good thing. Um, quickly, betting against Michigan State and Rocky Lombardi is, is joining USF as a good bet. I don't think Michigan State hasn't scored since they beat Michigan. We know how bad Michigan's defense is. Uh, Maryland's defense isn't much better, but Maryland can score pretty darn well um, with Tua's little brother, uh, Taluia Tagovailoa. Um, and, and Maryland has a lot more to play for right now than Michigan State. So I believe that line is at six and a half now. I think that's a great pick. I think so. I'm going to go with uh, Maryland to cover six and a half against Rocky Lombardi and and Michigan State. I think it's a great call. Yeah, I like that one too. All right, my final lock. I've actually been pretty solid as long as I bet over-unders pretty much in the American or the state of North Carolina. But uh, I'll go with the American here. Looking at Houston SMU, classic Texas seven on seven football kind of a rivalry game. Just don't think there's going to be a lot of defense. I'm seeing that sixty nine right now as the over under. Hammering that. Do you, over. do you know where that came? Do you know where that uh, game is? It's at SMU. Perfect. You said you got the over sixty nine, right? Yeah. Over sixty nine. Nice. Awesome. Good. Happy for you on that. And Ian, you were at six and a half, correct? I was at six and a half. Let me let me double check that real quick. All right. Um, yeah, six and a half. All right, fellas. That was good. That was a good recap. Glad we were able to go through BC, talk about some around the country stuff, and it was a, it was a good slate of picks this week. Um, should we preview? We Everyone got. We up. might have a little special guest next week. Might just get a guest. Yes, stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Let's keep it secret. Big time banker. <laughs> we got big bye week plans. Um, no, I kind of want to hit the links though. Ma- watching um, the Masters always. I'm yeah, hitting Beth Page on edge. Sunday. We 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 got we got a little. I'm playing Beth Page on Sunday. I'm excited. No way. Yeah. Wow, so, nice. That should be good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's probably same for you. We we're having a little late su- Indian summer here. Yeah. Cincy. It's supposed to warm up a little bit, but I'm seeing rain. Um. Do we? Do you guys trust the Apple? The Apple. Forecast? I I use the Weather Channel. No, I I trust the Weather yeah. Channel. Okay, well I'm gonna do that right now, and then hopefully I can make a tea time right after. <laughs> it's, it's the goal. All right, fellas.